Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is Gabriella Hoffman, and you're listening to District of Conservation. In today's episode, we are joined by Dr. Roger Marshall, current congressman representing Kansas's first congressional district and Republican nominee for the U.S. Senate race in Kansas to fill the open Senate seat being vacated by Republican Pat Roberts. I want to read for you guys from Dr. Marshall's bio. He is actually quite the avid outdoorsman. He's one of the few in the Kansas delegation and even in Congress to be really adamant about hunting, Second Amendment advocacy, fishing, So here is a little bit about him. He calls himself Doc because he's an OBGYN, so you'll see me reference that from reading from his bio. Doc's most important roles are as being a husband to his wife, Lena, for 36 years, dad to his four children, Lauren, Victor, Matt, and Cal, and most importantly, grandpa to his grandsons, Roe and Weston. Roger has always been active in his community sports program where he has coached and often cheers for the children he has delivered. Active in his church as an elder, deacon, and twice serving as board chair, Roger has led international mission trips and spends as much time as possible hunting and fishing. Dr. Roger Marshall is a common-sense political outsider. As an OBGYN, Doc delivered more than 5,000 babies during his 25 years practicing in in Great Bend. He also served as chairman of the board of Great Bend Regional Hospital for 14 years. For the last few years, he has represented the big first district in Congress. A Kansas native, Dr. Marshall earned his undergraduate degree in biochemistry from Kansas State University before graduating from University of Kansas School of Medicine. He received his medical doctorate in 1987. During the final year of his residency in St. Petersburg, Florida, Dr. Marshall was named Teacher of the Year by all other residents and faculty and earned the Resident Research Award. In addition, Dr. Marshall scored in the top 1% in the nation on the final exam given to all OBGYN residents. After completing his residency, Dr. Marshall moved back home to Kansas and started his practice in Great Bend in 1991, which is my birth year. Oh my. When elected to Congress for the first time in 2016, Dr. Marshall made three specific promises. Get Kansas a seat back on the Agriculture Committee, help write a farm bill that protects crop insurance, and drop and jumpstart the economy by rolling back regulation and passing a tax cuts bill. Congressman Marshall was able to deliver on all three promises, and the American economy is the strongest it's ever been. You will hear Dr. Marshall briefly talk about what is on his mind. I also pressed him on what he would do if he were to be in the Senate, specifically as it relates to firearms, conservation, environmental policy. And we talked about other things. He was on his campaign bus, so if the audio is a little shaky on his end, he was doing his thing campaigning. But I think my listeners will be confident knowing that this individual, who will likely win, according to Real Clear Politics, he it's a likely GOP seat. He's leading his opponent, a Republican-turned-Democrat, Barbara Bollier, uh, by like an average of two to four points, even more. Uh, some recent polls showed him leading as far as 12 points. So I believe this will be a 
given seat. And uh, if he will be the next senator, I think that's really cool that we're going to have him on in a few short days uh, from that election result. But it'll be good knowing that if Dr. Marshall moves on from Congress to the Senate, we can have another ally of ours in the U.S. Senate to advocate for conservation hunting and other similar issues. Here is my chat with Congressman and Dr. Roger Marshall. We are talking with Dr. Roger Marshall, who is a current sitting congressman uh, from the great state of Kansas, and he is running for the United States Senate. Uh, And the the election is obviously coming up very soon. We're very grateful to have him speak about what is going on on the campaign trail, uh, where his race currently stands, and where he is thinking on different issues. So Dr. Marshall, thank you so much for chatting with me. Yeah, Gabrielle, it's great to be with you. Obviously, I'm on the uh, on the trail here, so hope your your viewers will forgive me that it's not a perfect view. But this is my life right now. A, a Saturday morning, just left a gun show uh, in Kansas City, and on our way to Lawrence, and we'll be in Topeka and back in Kansas Kansas City for rallies today. That's great to hear. Uh, why don't you first start off with your background? I think my listeners and watchers would be very curious to know about your background and uh, why you got involved in politics. Well, you know, I tell folks I'm a fifth-generation farm kid, and I was born and raised uh, outside of Wichita, about 30, 60 miles away on, on family farms. My dad became the chief of police there eventually for 25 years. I became a first-generation college student, and my American dream was to become a doctor, uh, my wife and I got married like two weeks before medical school, 30-some years ago. And uh, after residency and Army Reserve, we moved to a little city called Great Bend. It's on the Great Bend of the Arkansas River. We delivered over 5,000 babies, raised four of our own. I've, I've lived this great American dream. We've got two grandsons now, one on the way. And I want to make sure that we leave this country better than we found it. I want to make sure that we that our kids had the same shot at the American dream that I've had. It's very good to hear. Why don't we first talk about uh, guns and the outdoors? I was informed and I did a little research <laughs> into the fact that you are a very avid outdoorsman. You consider yourself a sportsman and actually your opponent, Barbara Bullier, uh, actually recently claimed that she supports Australian style gun confiscation. Could you speak to all those points? Well, it's, first of all, it's scary. I mean, she's just not, liberal. She's extreme. She's extreme on this issue. She has an F minus voting rating with the NRA. Ours is A plus. And uh, we, we were a lifetime member of the NRA before I thought about running for Congress, right? So uh, truly, I've always been an avid hunter. Uh, at least once or twice a week, we really hunt. I have labs and beachless. I just live in the hunting mecca of the world between two wildlife refuges, We have uh, land beside both of those refuges, as well as several thousand other hundred acres of of hunting available as well. I, you know, growing up, my typical Saturday afternoon, my dad was the the police officer. We go out to the gun range once a month and he would uh, qualify. And uh, we would, uh, of course, learn to shoot weapons as well. And then we'd go run the police boat at the lake and then we'd go hunting and fishing. Uh, If my dad wasn't get called back for a fire, maybe if there was a grass fire, my dad would let us ride on the Jeeps uh, that, on, to help fight the, the grass fires. So just grew up in the outdoors um, and, and just never had a second thought about the Second Amendment. I can't believe that, that there is truly an assault on it now. Uh, we just left this gun show in, in Kansas City 
And one of the legislation that we've introduced is making it easier to buy a, a short-barreled rifle. And I'm sure you know this, but your listeners, for women especially, it's maybe the best self-defense weapon out there is a short-barreled rifle. Um, it's not loud. It's it's uh, not much of a of a recoil to it. You can buy a a uh, suppressor with it as well. And it takes over a year, maybe two years to get approval to buy one of those weapons. So we've introduced legislation that would take away some of that hassle factor. Um, and I, I just think more than ever that, that folks are concerned about their security and, and not just their border security, but their security at home. When, you, when we see uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin, a, a, a police department get burned to the ground in little Kenosha, Wisconsin, it has a lot of us concerned. Yeah, and could you speak more to conservation? I think we were talking a little bit beforehand before yeah. uh, proceeding into this interview that uh, Republicans have often neglected on these issues and taking a stand on conservation, it should be understood that doesn't mean you're replicating a lot of what radical environmentalists or leftist environmentalists say. But have you seen kind of this uh, transition to kind of an offensive approach by Republicans and conservatives in Congress, taking a more proactive stance, communicating their views on conservation. And we've seen it in legislation as well. So could you speak to some recent legislation and why it's kind of encouraging to see Republicans champion these issues right. or so? You know, so absolutely. Let me just talk first about my heart. I was taught as a young Boy Scout to leave it better than we found it. And I'm so proud of what America's done that our carbon footprint is at a 25-year low, that we're 10% lower than we were a decade ago, thanks to conservation and innovation. Coming out, Georgia, the original conservationist, we were doing this before anybody thought it was cool, right? We did it because it's the right thing. The air, the water of Kansas is cleaner today than when I was growing up for a lot of reasons. You know, my grandfather's built uh, terraces in, in the fields that helped with soil conservation. And now I walk into Congress and the government's trying to regulate the water puddles running off of it. It was called Waters of the U.S. Yes. And I'm proud to, to work with President Trump's team and, and dial that back a little bit. So uh, Republicans do need to embrace this. And I think that most of us are conservationists, but we don't wear it on our shirt sleeves. We wear it in our hearts. We wear it on our actions. So I'm going to talk about the farm bill for a, for a second. Everybody knows that the farm bill, 80% of the dollars goes to, towards food stamps and the other uh, large chunks towards crop insurance. But there's big conservation uh, sections of the farm bill. And whether it's uh, CRP or uh, the EQIP programs, they're all great conservation pieces. One of the things that we also accomplished was getting more uh, more land, more funding for the walk-in hunting, which is really popular in Kansas. And I'm, I hope some of your, your listeners are aware of what walk-in hunting is. I'm not sure if other states have that or not. But you elaborate but, uh, on it? Yeah, but so farmers uh, rent out that land, but they, they deserve something for it rather than just letting people come in and, and uh, use the land. And, and frankly, some folks are a little hard on the land and they don't leave it better than they found it. So, so those would be a couple examples. Um, and, and mostly, when we think about how, the, how we, this country's improved conservation-wise, it's not because of a carbon tax or the federal government. It's because of American innovation. So I've spent a lot of, the, of my time working with the best people in the world that know the most about this topic. And typically, it's entrepreneurs. So one of the things I'm really focused on right now is carbon capture and, and what we can plant in Kansas in the off-season. So 
We uh, plant milo and corn in, in the spring. We harvest it. So those fields are bare right now. So we're going back with cover crops that will recapture the carbon. Of course, we've been doing no farm, uh, no-till farming for two decades. Uh, we're using a fraction of the water we once used. We're using a fraction of the fertilizers because of uh, because of precision farming. And I'm sorry, I get really excited about this. I'll stop there, Gabrielle, and ask and let you ask another question. But there, I could talk for hours about the conservation practices that farming and ranching are, are doing right now. Yeah, I would. I've kind of observed in just the years I've been covering this issue that uh, we see a lot of different conservation stakeholders at the table. And I think people don't give the president credit for this, but he has allowed more different stakeholders, private landowners, farmers, ranchers, and others who felt left behind in the past administration, who felt pigeonholed and were legally silenced in many cases and kind of shut out from the conversation. I, I think um, people across the political spectrum have seen that different stakeholders are more empowered. They're not being targeted so much and they want to cooperate with state and federal government more so for conservation projects uh, just because they're, they're not being treated as hostile actors. Is that kind of something you've observed as well? I think uh, all conservationists feel like they have a little bit better of a voice right now. Exactly. And I'm just, what I'm trying to do is bring the hunting and fishing uh, group in with uh, more uh, vocal conservationists. And, and But the great thing about hunters and fishing, we put our money where our mouth is. You know, every time we buy a box of shotgun shells, we're using money towards conservation. I sat on the Wildlife and Parks Commission in Kansas, I think for four or five years. And uh, of course we know President Obama was a great salesperson for ammunition. So we had record amounts of dollars coming in. We built, uh, uh, for instance, uh, places where you could go shoot your weapons and firing ranges and did all sorts of creative things. Lots of women's in, in that industry now as well. But we, we see lots of things happening in this area, lots of excitement. And again, I want to go back to my farmers and ranchers are just doing an incredible job and want to make sure that your listeners understand that farmers and ranchers don't have a lot of cash. They don't have money in the stock market. The inheritance they're leaving their children is that land. And they want to make sure that future generations can run cattle and plant corn and wheat on that same land as well. So we're really stepping up our game uh, all, all across the country when it comes to agriculture. Great to hear. Uh, if you were to be elected to the Senate uh, with respect to these issues, and then we'll dip a little bit more into politics and, and more so about how you contrast your opponent. Uh, what committees would you like to be on and what conservation and gun issues would you advance? Would you advance like a Hearing Protection Act as well? That's something when Republicans had previously control right. of the of both chambers when Trump got in. Um, a lot of people were hoping that type of legislation yep. would pass concealed carry reciprocity. So kind of talk about what you would advance on this front before we move on to some of the other aspects of your campaign. Well, well sure. Well, the answer is yes, yes, and yes. And those are all issues that we've worked very hard on already that we were co-sponsors of those types of legislation. And I just want to remind your listeners, though, it's going to take 60 votes on the Senate to pass something like that. Um, so it, it's got to, even though we had control of the Senate, we didn't have 60 votes. So we're going to need your listeners to engage, to reach out to some uh, Democrat senators and get them on board with it as well. And uh, it, flipping the House will be quite a challenge right now. It's feasible, uh, but, but it's not going to happen as long as Nancy Pelosi has a gavel in her hand. But, but without any doubt, the Second Amendment is under assault, and we're going to keep standing up for that. And, and again, what we need your listeners to start communicating is the Second Amendment is what protects the First Amendment. 
And now those same people that want to take our guns away from us want to take away our freedoms of speech and our freedoms of religion. And the Second Amendment is the banner. It's the flagship. It's, it's, it's what protects the rest of the Constitution. So we need your, your uh, folks in, in you know, growing our team members, I'm going to say. So those folks that feel like their conservative thought is being censored right now, which it is, we need you to stand up for the Second Amendment as well. Thanks for having me on. Uh, these are issues that are near and dear to my heart. Invite your listeners to come to Kansas and visit at some time. we got some incredible hunting and fishing here, wildlife viewing. Uh, it's one of the great gems of the world. It's my home. I've lived here all my life except for those years in, uh, in residency in the Army Reserve. So it's, it's home to me. I want to keep Kansas great. I want to, I'm going to be uh, running to make sure we keep families safe, healthy, and secure. I'm running to bring jobs back to Kansas. I'm running to protect our values. Values like protecting our God-given constitutional rights, freedoms of religion, freedom of speech, our Second Amendment, and the sanctity of life. I, I'm running to make sure that we have a strong military. Uh, my dad, the police officer, make sure we have a strong police and law enforcement and secure borders. Thank you for all your listeners. Let's keep America great together. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Dr. Marshall. And where could people follow your campaign wow. in these dwindling days of the campaign season? Oh, great. Go, just go to kansasformarshall.com, kansasformarshall.com, and you could uh, search our Facebook, uh, Dr. Roger Marshall, as well. So thanks for having us. Wonderful. Thanks so much for speaking with me, and uh, good luck on the campaign trail. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. If you would like to learn more about Dr. Marshall's candidacy for U.S. Senate and you live in Kansas and are able to vote, take a look in the show notes. I have links to his social media accounts, campaign website, some past work of his, and more. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to leave some reviews, especially on Apple Podcasts. Those help go a long way in signaling to me that the podcast is reaching people, which I know it is because of the explosive growth we've had here on the podcast in the last month, which I am grateful for. Thank you guys for finding us and listening and listening in greater numbers. It means a lot to me that people are receiving this type of medium well and the guests that I bring on. Also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to never miss a beat or a guest announcement. And Send me your suggestions on who you would like to see here on the podcast. There will be a lot of new members of Congress. I speak largely to conservatives and Republicans, not because I'm afraid of speaking to Democrats, but most of them don't want to speak to someone like me because I would press them on certain positions. Although there would be one from New Mexico I'd actually love to speak with, um, Taurus Small. I think she actually just went against Joe Biden for his really extreme anti-oil and gas comments. So maybe people like that, if they're interested, I will happily chat with them and find commonality. But we largely talk to Republicans and, and conservatives because I often feel like their voice is not elevated on these issues. People misrepresent their views. And it's super easy to get Democrats to talk about these issues. But I want this to be a forum for Republicans and conservatives to come on and talk and share their thoughts on these views. But if Democrats want to come on to, hey, the more the merrier. I'm happy to entertain anyone who wants to come and speak with me. We've had people of different political persuasions. I've had centrist Democrats, libertarians, others come on. So anyone is welcome. But yeah, we like to have this be a forum for Republicans to share their views, especially if they feel like they don't get proper due with it. I promised an episode last week explaining some ballot initiatives, and I'm sorry I failed to deliver. I just had a very crazy busy week uh, with a 
client that had to send out a timely press release, but I will be able to address that in tomorrow, Tuesday, October 27th, relating to the Utah amendment that would codify the right to hunt and fish in their constitution. I'll talk about some measure in Pennsylvania that would enhance hunting. And I'll also go back a little bit to the Colorado wolf initiative and I'll see if there's anything else relating to hunting and fishing on the ballot too. So we'll examine kind of what is on the ballot. I examined the two presidential candidates for you guys on these issues. You can go back several episodes and find that. If you're curious, I'll link to it in the show notes. If you want to learn more and how views are misconstrued, where they stand, why actually there could be a case to be made that Trump has actually been one of the better conservationist presidents in recent memory and much more. So check out those past episodes and stay tuned for tomorrow. And I may be able to fit in another senator or two. I'm possibly going to be speaking to a few incumbents, but they have very busy schedules. But if that changes and they come, you will hear from me first. But I was hoping to get Senator Sullivan and Senator Danes from Alaska and Montana, respectively. But they're in pretty busy, contested races. And uh, I understand But maybe we'll get to speak to them after the election, should they win, especially, and uh, much more. So thank you for listening. Stay tuned for more episodes. Next week, we're going to have some unusually themed guests. We're going to have two former game wardens. We're going to have John Norris, who served in the California Fish and Wildlife. And then we are also going to have Wayne Saunders, his co-host on the Thin Green Line podcast and also Warden's Watch, joining on Tuesday. So we're going to have them on separate episodes, but they're two really cool guys. I figured that'd be kind of nice going into election day to have people who aren't necessarily political, but care about these issues from a public policy edge. So it's going to be nice to have their perspectives on. But like I said, nominate some guests, lawmakers, candidates, would-be politicos, etc. Everyone, storytellers, non-politicians. I speak and talk to the gamut of different speakers and storytellers. Thank you for listening to District of Conservation. Leave your reviews, follow us, subscribe, tell your friends about the show, and send in your suggestions. We appreciate you listening, and we are so honored to have each and every one of you listen to the podcast. I'm extremely grateful from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much for the continual growth and support and listenership.